You seem really excited to talk to me, Tracy. <laughs> Tracy, have you, have you heard? Tracy, have you heard about what's happening in Rev? I have heard. What are we doing on May 9th through the 13th? We are going to impact. It's five days, you guys. Five days, four nights in person. Tracy, what are we going to do with ourselves? Like being around actual Rev people again, what might happen? We're going to hug people. <laughs> we might even like hug people hard. <laughs> yeah. If you come, just know we are loving you hard. We are so excited. What are you most looking forward to with Impact, Tracy? I am most looking forward to looking into people's eyes, like in yeah. the flesh. Yes. People, yes. Putting my hands on people. Yes. Maybe even kissing them on the cheek. <laughs> now all the germaphobes and people that are like, all the introverts are running for the hills right now. <laughs> They're running. I mean, like how many, how many people are in my house that I get to touch on any kind of a daily basis? <laughs> <laughs> I have teenagers. They don't let you hug. They them. don't let you anymore. Yeah, we are in need of real people, flesh and blood. And you guys are all invited May 9th through the 13th. It is open now for signups. Space is limited, and we want to see you there. Tracy, who should come to Impact? Everybody that has a body. Yeah, there it is. Everybody who has a body should come. Okay, you want to learn more about, if you haven't looked into more about this, swipe up on the show notes. We have a link there, and we are hoping to see you there. And now, Tracy, I am so excited about our guest that we have today. Her name is Scarlett Hiltabidal. And she has written the book, get ready. You're going to love this title. Do you know this title? I don't know this title. Get ready. You're the worst person ever. I, I might be. <laughs> this is why we need Jesus, everyone. We this is Jesus. why we need Jesus. This is the book she wrote. It's really about saying you're not enough. You don't have what it takes, but Jesus does. So we talk about ending striving and performing. She shares her story. And you guys, she is funny. She's funny. I didn't know this, but you'll hear later in the interview that she is the daughter of an actress. And later I asked her, who's, who's, you know, who's your mom? And her mom was, um, on Saturday night live. She was one of the, uh, yeah. Premier no like people during the eighties. So you'll hear more, you'll feel, you'll get her mom's name and then you can go Google. You'd be like, Oh my gosh, I remember her. If you were watching Saturday night live in the eighties, were you watching? I probably was. <laughs> I know, this was a little more, Hey, pre Jesus days. And Hey, you can watch it. Just put on the sensor as needed. So you guys, you're going to love this conversation. You'll learn about all the places you can learn more about her book. And we're going to talk about worseness, how that is a gift, how actually when bad news happens, it's good news. All the conversation we're having, you guys are going to love because it's right up our vernacular here in Revelation Wellness. So you can learn more about Scarlett by checking the show notes and getting the book and sharing this podcast. Tell us what you guys learned today. And we hope to see you at impact, right, Tracy? Yes. That's Let's also do. in the show notes. That is also in the show notes. Okay. You guys have fun. Enjoy this conversation and we'll talk again soon. Peace. All right. Revelation wellness friends and community. We are excited to bring you a new friend this week. And this week, Scarlett Hiltabadal. Did I say it right? Almost. Oh, we're so close. close. Hiltabidal. Hiltabidal. A plus. You got it. Ah, but you still have to give me the cheesy joke on how to remember your name. There's really not a cheesy joke. I just always say it's my husband's fault. Oh. 
I mean, it's, that's not a good joke. It's just, what was your I was pre- just trying to put you at ease. What was your maiden name? Um, well, my birth maiden name was Evan Toff. And then my dad, my adoptive dad adopted me officially when I was eight. So then it was Wessel, which isn't really that hard, but yeah. definitely like, how do you spell that? Um, so Hiltabital, definitely the most complicated. I like it, but now that I hear it, I'm like, Hiltabital, of course, it's easy. That's like people with my name, they call me all kinds of versions. Alyssa, Alicia, I'm like, listen, a car, a house, a dog, Alisa. It's Alisa with an A. It's super easy. But anyway, you guys, uh, Scarlett has released a book. It is out now and it's called (laughs) this title. I opened up my my mail yesterday and I knew I was interviewing you, but I wasn't sure about the title of your book, but I opened the, the package and out comes this title. And it is, you're the worst person in the world. (laughs) Well done on a title that kind of goes, well, now you've got my attention. So uh, what's up with this book? Why did you write this book and why? I mean, I'm sure the title says a lot. Well, I'm so glad you laughed because that's what I was hoping would happen. (laughs) You did it. Um, Not be offended. This happened. Can I just real quick, I have to tell you, this happened on Instagram a couple of days ago. I posted about the book. And someone I don't know said something like, well, I posted something about the book and in yeah. the, you had to like see the caption to see what the title was. So I guess they didn't see that. And they said, oh, what book is that? And then I put in quotes, you're the worst person in the world with a smiley face. And then he goes, I, goodness, like, what did he say? Man, I was just trying to, you don't have to be so aggressive. Like, he, Yeah, he thought tell, you were calling him you know, that. Yes. And you know how sometimes like people are being sarcastic, but sometimes you can just tell someone's not being sarcastic. And I forgot yeah. how he worded it, but I could tell. And so I was like, no, no, that's the book title. And then he was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, I love it. That's um, awesome. Another funny thing. And then I promise I'll answer your question is that I dedicated it to my adoptive dad and so I showed him that before it was even printed. And I was like, look, it's dedicated to you. And he's like, I don't know how I should feel about a book called You're the Worst Person in the World being dedicated to me. Um, anyway, okay. So the the title, hap- it actually the whole book kind of happens just in a conversation with my closest friend, Katie. I was showing okay. her um, right behind me these mustard books. Um, yes. That was my first book, which is called Afraid of All the Things. Okay. And it's lighthearted Um anxiety, my testimony memoir, but it's supposed to be funny. So like I wanted the cover to convey the tone, right? Okay. So I was showing my friend the different color options the designer had sent me because we'd already landed on the design Uh and one of them was dark red and she's, and you know, there's like fangs and a syringe or something on the cover. And so with dark, with, with like mustard, it's like, oh, huh things. And with, with dark red, it's like, Oh, is this a scary book? This is yeah, a twilight series. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, my friend Katie, who's so wonderful was like, you know, Scarlett and you know, it's my closest friend. It was my first book. And she's like, honestly, the dark red is maybe a little scary and not Mm -hmm. what you're going for, which Uh is funny, but I'm so excited. And if you just had like a white book with you're the worst person on the world, I would still be so excited. And she, you know, so she's just being a supportive friend and saying, I don't care what your book looks like. I'm yeah. just so excited. And I laughed so hard because I just was picturing a Christian book on a coffee table with that title. And I just thought that's got to be a book. And I said that to her, I'm like, that's got to be a book. So this was years ago. Okay. And then, um, you know, I'm always thinking about the next, what am the I going to next, next project? Yeah. Yes. And um, so, you know, my first book, I talked a lot about um, learning how to fight for um, rest and peace mm-hmm. when I go toward panic and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I thought about how much like striving and, you know, the Enneagram threeness of me, perfectionist nature, like how all wrapped up that was in my before Christ self and my anxiety Um, and how, you know, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I was living for the glory of me rather than the glory of God. And so, yeah. So then I was like, okay, that's a funny title, but also, um, you know, the subtitle is why it's the best news ever that you don't have it together. You aren't enough and you can't fix it on your own. That so, is right. Yeah. There you go. So I was like, Katie, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's how it came to be. That is so cool. You guys, it really, that, let me read that subtitle again. Why it's the best news ever that you don't have it together. You aren't enough and you can't fix it on your own. I am drawn in by all the, yes, you're nailing most of us right here, right now. So good. So the person that reads this book should be someone who's feeling what right now? Mm -hmm. You're really good at this, man. I do. I like to ask questions. You prayed before we started recording and like, you're just, you're amazing. Okay. Um, The person is feeling exhausted and tired. And you know, that feeling when you just want to like um, make a pillow nest and just give up because you've been striving and trying so hard and Mm -hmm. you either are feeling like you can go to sleep, like, okay, I did all the things that I set out to do today and then you feel awesome and kind of like stuck up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but more than likely most days you go to bed thinking I failed again, or I did this wrong. Yeah. And then you despair. Um, it's for that person who is, is tired of trying to be the best at everything. Um, yeah, that's a lot of our listeners. I know you guys, I'm listening with your ears on right now. And so we're going to dive deeper because I want to talk about this topic of worseness. Talk about worse. You you write about it in the book, worseness. What does that look like for a Christian to apply worseness to their life? Okay. So like, um, basically, I mean, the way I write is very story driven. So mm-hmm. it felt a little like I'm not Catholic, but I felt like I was in a Catholic confessional booth, just listing my sins <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I have all these chapters, like worst mom, worst wife, worst girlfriend, you know? Um, and I'm just kind of going through these, these different phases of life and these different things I've set out to be awesome at. Um, and you know, what is it, what is worseness for a Christian? So Romans 3.23, if you've, you know, been in the church for any amount of time, you probably have heard or know for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's just this fundamental thing, um, to our faith that we need to, we all have to get to that place of saying, okay, I'm not awesome and the best. And you know, if we don't see our need for Jesus, then we can't follow Jesus. So if we think we're amazing, um, and without, oops, sorry, my computer is, is scaring me. It's doing weird things. Okay. Um, if we don't think we need Jesus, we're not, we're not going to be walking with him. We're going to be trying and failing and striving and failing again and again. And so, you know, what I found in my own faith is that when I was in that striving mentality. Yeah. I was, you know, it was just, it's not what I was made for. We were not made to try to bring ourselves glory. And so getting to that place of humility, which is hard to kind, it's kind of hard to get there Yeah, because this world is distracting and there's all sorts of things we can pursue and find little, you know, um, (laughs) hits of the accolades and Instagram likes or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you, you know, the happy people, and this is biblical and experiential. Like I've just experienced this in my own life, but, 
um, the happy people are the lowly people are the people who really mm. know who they are and know Come that they're on. loved anyway. Like, yes, I'm, yeah. I, yes, I have failed. God yeah. knows the worst things I've done and the worst things I've thought that nobody else knows, you know? Yeah. And yet I'm loved. And so that makes yeah. me want to worship him and not make people have this view of me that I'm all great and shiny because I'm not, you know? So anyway. That's a good point. And this whole not shiny moment, was there a moment for you that it came crashing down? Was there, or was it just little by little? Anything that you, yeah. Tell us this. Yeah. There's for sure a moment. And I'll say for a a longer explanation of that moment, afraid of all the things, my first book, um, just kind of that kind of turning point in my faith. Um, it was like an earthquake and it was like a momentary thing that changed everything. But um, long story short, I I had a weird upbringing. My mom was an actress. My dad, my biological dad was a fire eater. I was like a panicked, I just want a normal life kid. I was like, I just, wow. want, a, I just want a normal life. Wait, um, my, yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I just breezed over that, didn't you I? You did breeze over that one. Your real dad was a fire eater? Yeah, we do not have a relationship, but my biological father was a magician and fire eater. Like that is his vocation. Um yeah, I know. Um, yeah, that's okay. And, uh-huh. but no, so no relationship, um, but maybe like, is he on, um, <laughs> this is the show right now. Sorry. No, I, don't I digress. <laughs> it's the, uh, America's got talent extreme, like all I'm, the fire eating. I don't, I don't think you so. Would, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I'm not okay. up to date, but anyway, okay. a colorful upbringing. Yes. Um, and my parents got divorced when I was five. My mom remarried my amazing okay. adoptive dad who I dedicated the book to. He was yeah. on the SWAT team. He's got huge muscles. He's wow. really funny, but really serious. Um, and now I just got really wrapped up in what are, what are we talking about? Hold on. Wait, I was asking you about the moment. The moment that you came to it. Yeah. And I started at birth. So yeah, no, that <laughs> yeah, hey. so basically. Okay. But it has to, it's all related. So basically I lived this, uh, you know, crazy life of travel and, you know, new dad, new towns all the time. And, um, but I was also raised Baptist. I was raised in churches. And so I was raised to believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Um, but I was the perfectionist. And so I was like, instead of understanding this faith that I was being taught about, which is that God is holy and I'm a sinner. So I needed, I need Jesus um, to make a way through his death and resurrection. I was like, Oh, okay. How can I be a really good Christian? So my faith as a child before I really had faith was I'm going to be a good girl and I'm going to do everything Mm -hmm. as perfectly as I can do it. Mm -hmm. And then my faith as a new believer, when I was 14 was okay, I better be a good Christian Mm -hmm. or God is not going to approve of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just kind of lived that way. I married a pastor while being a secret bulimic church secretary, Bible (laughs) college student. Um, I mean, as you do, as you do, as you do, um, I was like a, just a disaster and I was crying out to God, heal me, please help. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be good. And that was the problem. <laughs> the problem was I just wanted to be good mm-hmm. because I wanted approval of God, approval of people. And it was all about me. Um, so the turning point happened. Um, I was at a retreat for pastor's wives and I was like 24, 25. And, um, I had my first baby and I was obsessed with like, being a good mom at that point, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, and these women were going around sharing parenting advice and I'm just trying to absorb all of it. Like, okay, I got to read these books. 
baby wise sleep training, whatever. Baby wise, yeah. <laughs> I did that. Yeah. Uh, and then um, it got to this one lady named Elizabeth, who I talk about all the time. She changed my life, or God used her mm-hmm. to change my life. Um, mm-hmm. And I also want to preface and just say there were so many people who led me to the truth before Elizabeth, but I just, mm-hmm. for whatever yeah. reason, in that moment, God used her. Too. She was the one, There's, like the planting of the seeds, but that was yes, the one that, that watered was the and moment. Grew. And, you know, I do think I was a believer at this point, but I was like a miserable, joyless one because That's I right. didn't know how to rest in the reality of my already had it status. Um, so she, you know, her parenting advice was, you know, I don't try to be the perfect mom. I don't try to raise perfect kids. That's impossible. My yeah. whole goal is to point pe- point my family toward Jesus and Amen. show them that I'm weak and dependent and he is the one to worship. And so then she like practically laid out her home and she was like, you know, I'll fight with my husband rather than hiding it and brushing it under the rug. I call it out. I say, kids, husband, I'm sorry. I sinned. That's not okay. Here's yes. what I do when I sin. And then yeah. she would repent in front of her family and yes. pray and say, this is what turning from your sin and confession looks like. And I'm listening to this as a young mom and thinking I have chills right now. Like yeah. I can't tell the story without having chills because I realized I had, st- I was, I had a Bible college degree. <laughs> I was like, no one ever showed you repentance. Well, like, How do in, we live in this everyday out? life? Exactly. Right. How like, do we live it out? Come so on. I was like, oh, I've had it wrong all along. And so that mm-hmm. moment was the earthquake of my heart where I was like, okay, my goal is no longer be awesome and shiny and have everyone think you're great. My goal is have everyone think Jesus is great by, you know, when Your I do need something for right, him. right. When I do something right, great. Jesus used me. Awesome. But when I do something wrong, which happens more often, then I can say, Hey, look at Jesus. This is why I need him. And it's yeah. not, a fa- it's not something to despair over anymore. It's yes. just a, another way to point to him. So, um, yeah, that changed my life. And that was going to lead to the next question, but you just hit it. And we, we have this saying here, revelation wellness too, that, um, bad news only means there's good news. So when mm-hmm. bad news isn't like, Oh my gosh, it's terrible. It actually means, Oh, then there's a need for good news. So good news is coming or good news is here now. Like it pushes back darkness. So the light is here. So there really is not this. I, when you say you're the worst, yes, the worst is like humbles us, but then we're exalted because of his grace, because of what Christ has done. So there's I'm really, so glad you said that. Yes. there's just no way yeah, there's no, there's kind of, I feel like the song, uh, the song of like enduring love is just ke- keeps coming up. What's the one? Oh, good, good father. Like we're just mm-hmm. singing these songs of reckless love. Like he just mm-hmm. keeps coming with it, no matter how low it feels for us. So now in today's culture that we see ourselves in, how do we combat in a world that is constantly pulling us to strive, pulling us to perfection. What does it look like for us as the body of Christ? How do we enter into that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. That's why I wrote this book. It's like, uh, you know, Jesus's kingdom is upside down. Everything about it is kind of the opposite of what not only our culture tells us, but what our own hearts that are deceitful, you know, Mm -hmm. tell us our hearts tell us, Mm -hmm. my heart still tells me to do the opposite of what I'm saying right now. My heart Mm -hmm. still tells me, be awesome today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, what do you do? I think that we read the Bible and obey God mm-hmm. and do what it says. And, you know, I've thought about this a lot, like the times in my life where I've had the most extreme joy and peace have been the times that I have been walking in an obedience that was, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but that was clearly like, okay, this is not my idea, you know? It's Amen. like, okay, God says to do this thing. 
and I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, oh my goodness, the joy and peace. It's like, you know, it's it's the upside down kingdom. Our brains tell us, protect yourselves, insulate yourselves. Right. And the Bible says love selflessly. And, um, you know, so I love what you just said before that question, which was, you don't stop it. You're the worst. Like that's, that's the point of this book is getting to that spot of humility. Well, you've got to, you've got to start there. And then Uh that leads you to the joy and the peace that we all want so badly and not in our awesomeness, but in his awesomeness. So once we learn that lifestyle of reading the Bible, obeying what it says, which is what, you know, love the orphan and the widow, love God above all else, love your neighbor yourself, be in community, confess sin to one another. I mean, all these things, do those things. Um, and you know, I have small group every Thursday, my, um, still my natural self like pushes against intimacy with people. Like I have this fear of relationships and yet every week we get together and I love these people. And it's like, we remind each other what we believe and we share each other's, we borrow each other's faith. And, Mm. um, yeah, I think that that's what to do. When's what's the last thing you've done where you were the worst at it, where you just knew I am no good at this, but God's calling me to it. And so dang it, I'm doing it. Well, I have a vague one. And then I have like the dramatic one, the vague one, which is like the most current, I would say Mm -hmm. is chapter nine of the book, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is worst hostess. Um, (laughs) I, so when I was writing the book, like I had an outline and I put it all together and, um, I told my husband at the end, I was like, we don't need 10 chapters. I'm just going to cut that chapter because I do not have this figured out yet. Um, I'm still not comfortable being a host, you know, um, or just relationally in general. Like, that's not something that I feel like, oh, I could write a book on this because I have, you know, not that any of my books are that way. All of my books are not come do what I've done. They're all like, um, you know, let's look at Jesus together because we're weak (laughs) and this world is hard. Um, but yeah, you know, like we host our, our small group and it's something that I'm continually having to remind myself, like the whole Mary Martha thing when Jesus was on earth, you know, there's, um, there's Martha who's piddling around and worried about everything, mm-hmm. um, focused on the wrong things. And then there's Mary sitting at his feet. And, you know, that's just, I mm-hmm. have to remind myself that being a good host is looking into the eyes of the person in front of me and loving them and yes. listening to them. And it's not, you know, do I have the right hand towels, which that's in the book too. Our sweet friend, Bill, who came over every week of 2020, um, would come out of the bathroom every, we'd watch stand up comedy and Netflix on Netflix and eat chips. And, you know, the kids would like do, do dances for him yeah. and then they'd go to bed and he would come out of the bathroom with dripping wet hands. And then he would like shake them and then he'd go in the kitchen and find a paper towel. And it was like six months. And then I was like, hand towels, never thought about them. And so then I like bought hand towels, bought a rack. And then every week when he, on Friday, like five minutes before or after he'd come, I would make sure to go get the bill towel, you know, the bill um, towel. Yeah, Bill's so coming. Like, I'm still there with that. That's like my vague, silly kind of, it sounds unimportant, but it's like a real thing Good. in my heart that I wrestle with, like how to love people and not just be too afraid of conflict to actually love people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the most dramatic one would probably be, um, our adoption story. Um, we mm. adopted our middle daughter and, um, man, that's the time that I look back on in life. And I'm like jealous for 
that moment with the Lord that I had really? because it was such a crazy, scary thing. Um, I don't know if you know any, I don't, I haven't been on this podcast. So no, you haven't. Give us the story. story. We're, we love okay. your story. We love story. <laughs> um, so the story is she was born in China with no outer or middle ears. She couldn't walk, wasn't potty trained. She was almost four. And people in my life who knew me and now you, you know me pretty, yeah. I, I started at birth with that one question. So you know me pretty well now. We're all the way back. Yes. Solid. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this is not the kind of thing I would sign up to do. It was completely, which makes it all the more of a good story because, you know, God doesn't use the super awesome professional Christians. He uses right. the scared people who would never do such a thing. And that's where I was at. I was like, no adoption is scary. Can I, can, can I ask you, did someone come to you and say, would you adopt this child? Was this a friend that said there's this child? No, how did no. you, how did the child cross your path? So my husband, when he became a believer, when he was eight, well, my husband, when he was 18, heard about adoption and he okay. had just become a Christian and he thought, I want to adopt someday before I met him. Because yeah. what a picture. I mean, we've been adopted totally. by God Romans by, eight. through Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Romans yeah. 8, um, which I have. I could walk you over to it on my wall from when we were in China. We got that Abba Father. Yes. Romans 8, Romans 8 in yep, 16, 17. Yep. That's, yeah. Um, anyway, that's a whole other story. But basically, it was the desire of his heart, not mine. And that's, it's usually oh. flip-flopped. It's usually the wife wants to and the husband doesn't want to. Yeah. But yeah. for us, it was like you know, an actual argument in our home. Cause I was like, no, there are horror stories. We can't do this. And I, I had two biological kids already. Um, and so I had a baby in diapers and I had a five-year-old and, wow. and you yeah. want to bring in a four-year-old. Well, Just... it was one of, how did she cross our paths? It was one of these things where God softened my heart. I was in a, uh, weekly, uh, small group, wow. which, you know, made me very nervous as I've just confessed and, um, just studying the Bible with these people, kind of, I don't know, God started using people who were doing it uh -huh. in my face and just being uh -huh. like, oh, these are real people with heartaches and good days and bad days. And they're not super, they're just doing it. And, um, and then he just, it was supernatural. I, he just dropped the desire on me. We started pursuing a special needs adoption. They wow. send you a form and it's like, what are you open to? We both checked deafness. We don't know why we just both felt wow. like that was a yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, she showed up online and she was older than my youngest. So we were like, okay, we're not going to do that. Cause the experts say go in birth order. And then my agency called me that same day that I saw her on the website where there's like a website of extra special needs, where if they get passed around to different agencies, they kind of put it up to the public. And so you're not, you're not waiting on a file. You can kind of just like, look. Wow. okay. And so we didn't wow. pursue it. And then the agency called us and they were like, Hey, we know that you said birth order. And then I finished their sentence. Like, are you calling about so-and-so? Yes, we are. And I'm like, wow. okay, just send us the file. <laughs> so it's like one of those things. Yeah. Um, and it was 11 months and she's a miracle. She's, um, yeah, it was the scariest thing ever, but God like protected us with peace by just providing in every way before, like right when we needed what we needed, God would provide. And it was so, you know, personal and, uh, it just kind of, took our fear, took my fear away. And then yeah. I met her and then I was really scared because she wasn't doing well, but I, I get this front receipt to this miracle and we're five years in, we just celebrated that. And That's she incredible. is like, just, I, yeah, she's just a complete. That miracle. is incredible for a woman who was like, had her first baby and was like trying to do everything right because 
which means you just don't want the child to suffer. You want the child, right? I know for me, my biggest mistakes I made in loving my children was loving out of fear, like being afraid. Like if I don't get this right, or if they get this wrong and what will people think like just out of fear where how my gosh, getting a special needs child like that, I can't imagine the amount of fears that must've come up. Do you, do you feel like God covered your fears or would the fear come up? Then what would you do with that worst of moment? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have fear when I felt him like calling us to it. And then when all the doctors were saying, don't do it because her needs are so severe. And we were like, well, we're going to do it. So will you still be the doctor? <laughs> you know, Wow. Um, yeah. when that was happening, I just, I don't know. I had some conversations with my husband. I remember one moment of fear. We were standing in that same spot in the bedroom where we had argued about like me saying, I don't want to adopt and him saying, but I do, you know, a year before. Yeah. Um, and we're standing there and I was just like, I mean, well, yeah, that was a, he said something like, you know, no matter how hard this is going to be for the rest of our lives, like we're never going to regret bringing a child who doesn't have a family into our family. That really, really weirdly gave me peace. But the, the biggest thing for me personally, like between me and God, and this is one of those, I haven't had a lot of these moments. I know some Mm -hmm. people have them all the time, but where you're like, Oh, that was the Holy spirit saying words. Like, I know we had this moment, you know? Um, and like not through reading a Bible verse, it was just, um, we were filling out that form, the checkbox form. And, um, I, we checked off deafness and then I went in the other room and I was praying out loud, I think. And I was like, God, okay, what are we doing? Uh, why am I going to ask my family to adjust their lives in such a dramatic way Mm. to do this? And it was so crazy. Like I, it was like the Holy spirit gave me this gift of seeing my whole history with him and where I was and where he brought me. And then I, he said to me, look how I adjusted my life for you. And it was like, I know it was him because it was like, it wasn't snippy. Like that could be snippy if it was like in a screenplay, (laughs) but it was like, Mm -hmm. remember how I adjusted my life for you. And it was like, I was flooded with total peace and just happy crying. And it was like, oh yeah. Like there's nothing, if we're changing diapers till she's 50, like it's, (laughs) this is a good this is a good And he really poured his love into our hearts. And we had lots of moments of fear since then, but it was less fear and more just like hard life stuff. Like, like how do we deal with this parenting issue? But I'll say like, I have three kids and I have the same with all three of them. Like we all have our issues. We all have our, okay, what should I do with this? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things about her that are a lot easier <laughs> like emotionally than with my other kids even. So they came out of my body. So, you know, Scarlett, how much do you love Jesus? I love him so much. Isn't he amazing? Like I He's sit here and amazing. I go like, who does these things to ordinary people like us? Who I know. else could empower someone who was anxious, right? Cause that's your first book. Like yeah just on pins and needles of life and yet can give you such a grace to go, yeah, we're going to load up all these really worldly jacked up scenarios onto you and you're going to thrive and you can see it. You, when you talk about him, it's like that love of who he is. I'm like, I just, I just, I, I always help people on this podcast. Like we always give good information and good tools, but that they leave going, Jesus is amazing. 
my life is filled because I have him. I don't need a smaller waist or thinner thighs or whatever it is. Like, cause that is the secondary conversation. So I, yeah. you're, you're shining a light on him in such a grace filled way that it makes oh, me, man. makes me just excited. Okay. I was asked you this question, but it's a common one, but I want you to reframe it because you girl are like a real smarty smarts girl. You're uh, got a counselor degree, right? Well, what do you no, have? Don't call me a smarty smarts girl. Degree, I mean, you have biblical counseling. You write for she reads truth. I mean, come on. That doesn't make That's, me smarty smart. You're, but thank you. <laughs> you're smarty smart. You've done your studying and you have some, some biblical knowledge. So when you, when someone says, how do I renew my mind? You can't say read the Bible because we know it's read the Bible. What does that mean to you? Um, okay. Renew your mind. You renew your mind by, I feel like I already said this, but it's what I want to say. By, say, it. say uh, it And it's not just read your Bible, but it kind of is, but doing what the Bible says. That's. Um, just do what it says. And that's your story. And that's the whole thing. You're the worst person in the world means that is that performance mental. I've got to do something. I don't do it well. So then we don't do anything. And then we just are believers who don't obey and do what it says. And if we do what it says, then we're going to feel like we're not prepared to do it. Yeah. You you're go. so you're absolutely right because <laughs> no you're I'm not got it right you got it right yeah you're the smart one and I'm saying no no here's no, no, no. okay ready do this with me Scarlett ready okay. information information plus emotion uh-huh plus emotion put your other hand up emotion in a novel environment a novel environment creates a new brain that's neuroplasticity that's neuro so renewing your mind is not just a concept of like Let's read the word in your mind. It's information coming in, information mm-hmm. plus your emotions. So it has to penetrate your heart too, whatever it is. But novelty is really important. Where does novelty happen? When we do things that we're going to be terrible at, that's novelty. <laughs> I've never done this before. I'm going to be wow. the worst at it. So novelty, and that is neuroplastic. That's what changes our brain. That's what rewires us in neuroplastic land wow. of the brain. So when the Bible says, renew your mind, it can't just be, you hit it, girl. I got to hit the bell again. You can't just read the word. That's good. Great information. Oh, emotion makes me a little sad, but I have to do something with it that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. Then I know the God who is far beyond my ability and more than I could ask or imagine. Wow. You're the smarty smart. Okay. Well, I I don't have a bell, but ding. (laughs) All right. Smarty smart alert. One more thing before you go. You, I read in your other bio and you are, I'm attracted to you because you emanate joy. Aww. Would you, would you call yourself that kind of a person, a joy person? I hope so. I think so. I do think I have joy. The joy, I joy, love joy, that joy down in my heart. Yeah. Well, <laughs> embrace that. And so much so that I read in your bio that you have done stand up comedy. Oh, no, 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 no. I enjoy stand-up comedy. Read that carefully. I, I now I'll say <laughs> maybe this. you're supposed to do stand-up. No, comedy. no, 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 no. Novelty, Scarlet. Novelty. Oh dear Lord, do you want me to do stand-up comedy? No, I don't think he does. Um, no, I grew up in the wings of stand-up comedy clubs. I told you my mom was an actress, and so it's so funny. I mean, I'm 36, 
And like my favorite thing is watching stand-up comedians do their thing. I think I said in my bio, studying stand-up comedy. All right, um, you did. The passion but, that should but be they put it in bold. See how it says bold? Stand-up comedy. Why did they like, do that? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but that's that. how it came in my notes. Okay, okay. so well, studying. Anyway, I love watching it. And it was literally like a couple years ago that I was like, duh, of course I love it. I grew up in the comedy clubs. So it's, you know how it's so funny to, to become an adult and you just do these things because yeah. this is how you grew up and then you don't yeah. know. Anyway, it's kind it's of your environment. Way. So, yeah, can so we, I just like it. <laughs> can we ask who your parent, what your mom was? Um, there so is. She, yeah. She's Victoria Jackson. She was on Saturday night live, um, from 86 to 92. No wonder you knew when I said I'm 50, but that came out later. <laughs> I know. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah, you were around a lot of comedy growing I up. I was, I was born in 86 and she got the she got SNL in 86. So we lived out here. I live in Southern California now, but I was born in Pasadena. We lived in LA. We moved to New York. And, you know, so my first five years of life were John Lovitz, Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller. And I didn't even know it was cool. You know, it's like, I was just an anxious kid going to work with my mom. And now I look back at this weird other life I had and it was like, huh, but it's part of your life. Like the, oh, yeah. the Lord's doing something in I'm so the grateful. totality of it. But what I'm saying is I wasn't appreciative and I did not think yeah. it was cool back well, then. You're five. But here I am. Exactly. And when did Jesus like come crashing into your life? Like, when did you become a believer? I became a believer when I was 14. Okay. Um, I, was it a friend or who, how? No, I was, so my, I was raised in the church. Um, my mom has been a, she became a believer okay. when she was a child. My grandma, Marlene, who's in heaven now, she took care of me a lot when my mom was at work and she was always singing hymns. And one of the most joyful, peaceful people I have ever encountered, she died l- last Aww. year and she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was being told by them. I was being told by my adoptive dad, by my Christian school teachers, like I was around it all the time. I was um, being taught that Jesus was the hope of the world, but I, it was all in my head. And I, like I told you earlier, it was all like, well, can I do this, this religion? Well, (laughs) Um, but when I was 14, we were at a church in Burbank, which is not too, I'm trying to find this church. If anyone listening, if you, if this is familiar to you, I would love to figure out what church this was. Was that a church? It was a small church somewhere, Studio City, Burbank area. And they were doing a play about women on death row who one of them got a Bible and they're all, you know, they're like murderers about to be killed. And then one by one, they start finding forgiveness in Jesus. And then they go Mm. to their deaths with joy. And, you know, it was one of those things where I'm sitting there as an eighth grader, you know, panicked perfectionist. And I'm like, Mm. okay, Jesus loves them. And they did all the stuff wrong (laughs) where I'm like killing myself to do all the stuff. Right. Um, And that was like when I, and I was just sobbing in the back row and I became a Christian. And so that was the moment. And so then I like, I'm like, okay, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible now. So then I'm like underlining every proverb. Like, how do I do this? Okay. I have to do this, this, and this, and this. And so clearly, yeah, clearly the moment moment of like, oh, like actually the, whatever you just did with the neuro, the genius talk, that happened when I was like 24, but the actual I believe, and I know, I think I was going to heaven, but I was really unfocused on what I could have been focused on. That happened when I was 14. So long time ago. That's, 
I just feel like that's the plight of <clears throat> the modern day church is we have a lot of believers, but not a lot of followers. We have a lot yeah. of people that believe, but it's the following means I'm going to be terrible at it. Yes, yeah. you are for, you're going to have to face your greatest fears of insecurity yeah. to know that he's, he's, he's faithful. He's faithful. Yeah. He's so good. Okay. Um, I'd like to be your friend. I like you a lot, and, but so, I'm, I want to say your name and I keep getting worried that I'm going to pronounce it wrong now. Remember a car, a, a house, a dog. Uh, uh, I know it's a uh, Lisa. Lisa. No, Lisa, just uh. the word Lisa. It's so it's simple. Lisa. Don't do you know any Lisa's? Lisa Bevere. Lisa. A Lisa. Just Lisa. Just put an A in front of Lisa. I can't believe I just see. Okay. Alisa. I love. Okay. Okay. I like you okay. a lot. So we get to be friends now. Okay. This one, And I don't sure. ask that of everyone. <laughs> I'm honored. Alisa. <laughs> so, thank you, Scarlett. All right, you guys. Um, Scarlett's going to come back because she's going to write book number four next. What's it going to be on? I got it, but I don't want to say it yet. You don't want to say it, it to yet. anyone else, but I got okay. it in there. It's in my brain. Are you like researching and doing the stuff? Um, almost. <laughs> you like writing, don't you? I love writing. It's what I always wanted to do my whole life since I was nine. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are, I need your anointing, pray it on oh me. Goodness. Cause I love to communicate, but writing is like, all right, sit your butt down girl and get this sentence out. And I'm the opposite of you. Cause you're so good with, with, um, talking. I'm like, I do like to talk too much talking. I like talking, but like speaking, I do speaking now because I write books and that's, that's what you right. Do. You go speak that's about what them. happens, but that's it's right. still, it remains the most uncomfortable part of my job is, you know, actually talking. I get it. So you, you go don't get to do it in your bed. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Which is where you can write you gotta books. show up and actually put on pants with a waistband no, most days. Uh, I know. <laughs> and now, try to wear black in case your pits sweat. <laughs> right. But now pants are way better since COVID. Like the, even they, nice pants. So strength. true, true, amazing, true story. We did get really uh, up with the technology pretty fast. Yes. <laughs> okay, you guys, fun. you're gonna go get this book at you're the worst person com you're no. the worst person in the world in the world.com um you have to know how to spell your correctly if you're going to get there that it's is a, true but there's no but wait there's no the apostrophe so it's almost correct so <laughs> you y-o-u-r-e the worst go. person in the world yes.com mm-hmm. go get it and i think it's it's out now but exactly. i know you have like a certain window that who knows if you hit the new york times you never know you never know you don't, you don't know. Are you hitting the circuit right now in all the interviews? I'm doing all the interviews. This is one of the most fun ones I've done in a long time. <laughs> sometimes they're hard. They're real. Sometimes they're super hard. <laughs> yeah. You made it, you made it easy and you made my brain have to work, but in a good I'm, way, you know, not in a bad way. I'm now I have to go better think off about neuroplasticity. Yes. Information plus emotion, novelty. Yeah. And keep, keep that it. worst thing alive. Okay. So you guys are going to go to, uh, your, the worst person in the world.com, get the book or follow Scarlett on Instagram. I'm going to go do that right now. And what's your website? Is it you're the worst person? Yeah. In the world that'll get you there or afraid of all the things.com or Scarlett All the things. Okay. So when you make write your next book, make sure your B and H or whoever it is sends it our way. So we can talk again. For sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, you can't go yet. We have oh. our three rapid fire questions. Okay. Rapid Ready. fire. Ready? One, two, three. Coffee, tea, or kombucha? What do you drink? Coffee and kombucha. 
Yes, that's what this is right here. Sometimes it looks like punch, but um, uh, your favorite way to move your body. Hiking. Nice. You're in California, Pasadena. Mm -hmm. No, I'm in, um, I'm in Orange County, but I'm not like a hiker, but I, I like hiking in this weather. You have Orange County, like Laguna, Orange County area or where? Huntington Beach. Okay. Yep. I go to Laguna a lot and they have really good like hiking trails back there. Okay. Um, and then what's your go-to brand for workout athleisure wear? I don't want to tell you I'll be in Why? trouble. I, cause I don't, I like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Just I, the pants I've you, had for okay. a long time. You have yoga pants you wear. Everyone wears um, them. I don't know, Do man. Target. There you go. Target. <laughs> Go get your some. <laughs> okay. Hey. All right. You come back again, Scarlett. We um, absolutely love you. And we pray this book goes far and wide. We'll talk Thank again. You so much. Okay.